Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, I promise you're in the right place. Let's see what the buzz is today. I have a quote from a website called theconversation.com. Let me read an opening line here, and that will set us up nicely. Quote, robots have already taken over Wall Street as hundreds of financial analysts are being replaced with software or robo-advisors. All I'm going to say is OMG. So what are we talking about? Machines are beginning to do the work of finance professionals. What are they using? Artificial intelligence. We fondly refer to that as AI. And machine learning, ML, technologies. And beyond simply automating the transactional processes that finance does in the office of the CFO, they're beginning to augment value-based activities. What am I talking about? Let's get down to the core here. Analytics. That's what finance is looking at now. Forecasting, performance management, all very important to the finance department's role. So as the use of AI and ML grow, good news, bad news, they may eliminate some human roles, but the good news, they may create entirely new jobs. So the question on the table today is, is your company, is your business, is your organization, is your industry, wherever you are, whatever you do to earn money, is your organization ready for this sea change? And it is a sea change. And our topic formally is titled, finance talent in the machine age, human or bot? We're going to find out. But I promise you, I have three humans on the panel today. That I'm absolutely positive because I met them. Let me tell you who they are just briefly. First up, well, they've all been on except first two have been on before. One is a newcomer. Nilly Asades at the Hackett Group is back. We're delighted to have her back. Elizabeth Milne, SAP, the Finance Group on Financial Excellence with Game Changers Series. Been on many times. She's here. And Vanessa Keating is a newcomer to the panel. She works with Nilly at the Hackett Group, Director of Digital Finance. Finance and the GBS Advisory Practice. So welcome to our three esteemed panelists. Nilly has sent us a quote from a gentleman named Franklin Foer, F-O-E-R, born in 1974. Uh, let's see, he's the elder brother of novelist Jonathan Safran Foer, and I'm trying to, he was the editor of The New Republic during the Scott Thomas Beauchamp controversy. He published World Without Mind, The Existing Threat of Big Tech, which was named a New York Times notable book of 2017. Here's the quote. We have, we've been merging with tools since the beginning of human revolution, and arguably that's one of the things that makes us human. Nilia Sadies, welcome back. I love the quote. Tell me, what does it mean? I'm so happy to be back. Hello, Bonnie. Um, hi. Hi. Um, I chose this quote because um, it reminded me, and remind, uh, and maybe to remind all of us that we've been using tools for ages, and for ages, tools um, have become an extension of us. It's basically the type of tools that we're, we're using that has been evolving. So from sticks, you know, way back to AI today. Um, obviously, not everyone is thrilled with this development, and that's you know, you, to your comments, Bonnie, at the beginning of the show. Um, I did some homework on quotes, too, um, and I have two from pretty famous people. Stephen Hawking said, 
um, let me try and remember that the development of full artificial intelligence could spell the end of the human race. Um, and Elon Musk said um, something like, with artificial intelligence, we're summoning the demon. These are really scary quotes um, mm. from people that are very technology savvy. Um, but I'm so much more optimistic about um, how artificial intelligence or AI will transform how we work and how we live. Um, from the beginning, the evolution of human tools has been about um, increasing sort of this effort arbitrage where we um, exploit the comparative advantage of humans relative to our tools to just do things better. And that's what AI does. It allows us to do things better. Um, tools like AI and subset of, of machine learning or ML basically embody um, significant level of intelligence and are the most powerful tools we have yet. Um, and a sustained and exponential improvement in our computing um, and extraordinary large amounts of data, all of these forces have brought us to, to this um, second machine age. So while uh, AI is becoming increasingly smart, um, human intelligence remains unique. We're not going to, we don't need to be afraid that we're going to be eliminated uh, because we're still the ones who can decide how to design, modify, and build new forms of intelligence. It's what defines us as human um, and our relationship with everything around us. So um, now with the combination of human intelligence and AI, we're really at what we might call the brink of intelligence enhancement, um, mm -hmm. which could be the most consequential technological development of our time um, and in history. So, so that's why I chose the quote, because I'm really optimistic that this is not about changing the human race or erasing the human race. It's about enhancing what we can do as humans. Thank you, Nilly. Very, very interesting. I love your energy as well. Quick question for you. I mentioned, as you referenced in my opening, it may eliminate some human roles, jobs for real people, and create entirely new jobs. Are people in the finance industry feeling threatened by this? We, we all know that popularly in, in a, a broad culture in our society today, people, the robots are coming, the robots are coming, they're going to take away my job, I won't be able to earn a living, what am I going to do? And, and yet we're talking about a very focused, very specific segment here, finance, the CFO, the finance team, uh, maybe the CPAs, the people who we used to say crunch numbers sat in the basement with the eye shade on and the green lamp. Remember <laughs> the accounts lamp, Nilly, back in the day? I don't know if yeah. you remember it, but I I've heard about it. I don't remember it, of course. But uh, the question is, new jobs are coming. Are these new jobs for people? Are these new jobs for robots and machines? Just a quick comment from you before I move on. What do you think? Well, I think robots, um, right now anyway, the typical robot that's being applied in finance is a software that automates or mimics human behavior. So what it does basically is, for the most part, take uh, information from one system and enters mm -hmm. it into another system. So it automates a very low-value manual job. And the people who did that job, yeah, that part of their job is going to go away. Um, and if that was everything they've done, um, it may be that their job will be eliminated. So 
I'm not saying that everybody will keep their jobs, but what's going to happen is that they can be redeployed and trained, and companies are increasingly doing that to do different jobs that are more knowledge-based, where mm-hmm. um, not robots or maybe intelligent robots are involved, even robots with AI embedded in them, in looking and working on processes, but you still need to have a human um, looking across that process, interpreting what the AI is spitting out. So I think there'll be these new roles. It may not be the same people, but there'll be new roles for people with different skills. So I think for finance, the challenge is going to be what are those roles and what are those skills. Thank you, Nilly. Great. I appreciate the insights. And now let's welcome back Elizabeth Milne. You usually hear her on Financial Excellence with Game Changer. She's here today joining us. And Elizabeth manages the accounting and financial close portfolio for SAP Product Marketing. And she sent us a quote from da, 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 the Grateful Dead. We love music quotes, Elizabeth. And the Grateful Dead, anybody doesn't remember, was an American rock band formed in 1965 in Palo Alto, California. They range from a quintet to a septet known for their unique and eclectic style focusing elements of fusing elements of rock psychedelia woo experimental music modal jazz country folk bluegrass blues gospel reggae and space rock and they were known for their lengthy instrumental jams and their fans were called deadheads let's just leave it at that they were ranked 57th by rolling stone magazine in its greatest artists of all time issue and inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame in 1994 there we go and here's the quote when life looks like easy street there's danger at your door. How did I do that? Should I have sung that, Elizabeth, or was the reading okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would have liked it if you sung it, but that's okay. <laughs> you want to do it for me? I don't even. I don't. I was not a big fan, so I don't even know what the myth, what the melody is. You want to do it for me? When life looks like easy street, there is danger at your door. <laughs> Yay! Everybody clap. That was beautiful. That was beautiful, Elizabeth. I thought you were going to decline. I'm glad you accepted. Yay! Okay, so tell me what this means for our topic. We're talking about finance talent in the machine age, human or bot. Well, AI, machine learning, all these bots, it sounds so easy. Oh, we'll just automate everything. The the whole, one of my least favorite, the lights out finance. Lights out finance, I mean... People just need to realize that you can't automate everything. And particularly in the area of, of accounting and finance, there's, there's human intuition that's involved there. Yeah, sure, there's a lot of math that's involved there, but it's not just an equation, right? It's, it's the international IFRS, right, the International Financial Reporting Standards out there. Mm-hmm. It's principle-based. So there's different interpretations of, of similar transactions and the gap generally accepted accounting principles again principles right so you need to think from that standpoint that um, there's rules and there's certain ways to do things but it's an interpretation so that human intuition aspect of it and the thought that the IT department gets all excited oh we don't need a finance department anymore it's it's just it's not that easy these are not as finance is not a plug and play type of an application and while I understand that there's lots of automation that can be done, and there's definitely exactly what Nilly was saying is that these are tools. They're not going to. They're not replacements. They're they're things that people need to learn to use. And and to your question as well too on the 
the people, right? So it's all about combining people, process, and technology. And the people aspect of it, I think that the roles are really going to change. And it's an actually a really exciting time to be in finance because the things that get replaced by automation are going to be the mundane tasks and the things that are manual in nature that are, as an accountant, super boring and kind of a pain in your job. There's all those manual things that you have to do. So it's going to take away the things that are repetitive and things that don't require much thought. And then it will free up (coughs) time to be able to put more thought into things and use that human intuition and work with the whole organization, different departments to look at the numbers and say, well, what, how can we make better decisions? And I think the finance department is going to become better decision makers and not that traditional number cruncher bean counter guy who sits in the basement with his green visor on. <laughs> are they, excuse me, a little bit of a sore throat here. Are they, are they still wearing green eye shades? We'll leave that one alone. Depends on what team they're following. <laughs> Elizabeth, we talk about on various of our shows, we've probably done it on your financial excellence series and you're part of Chris Grundy's team, the extraordinary people who bring us one of our most popular shows shows, Elizabeth, of all 37 Game Changers series is still financial excellence. So that's why I brought this crossover topic here to Coffee Break with you and Nilly and Vanessa, because I think the broader audience will really appreciate it. But my question is, we frequently speak about the M-word millennials, and we talk about what kinds of jobs they're going to want, what kind of companies they're going to want to join, what kind of corporate social responsibility and interesting jobs and ways to express themselves and grow and become part of a team, yada, yada. Is this good news for millennials who have a, shall we say, a financial or mathematical preference in their job roles? Are they going to say, oh, ML and AI, the jobs are going to get more knowledge-based, as Nilly said, and more exciting, I want to be in finance. Do you think this is a harbinger of good things for millennials and their following generations? Yeah, definitely. I, I think that there's a, there's a couple things in there that you know are typical of the millennials uh, is you know, they like to make an impact. They might like to make a change. You know, the younger generations generally are that way. And I think that's one of the things that's really going to be a, a nice, refreshing thing for the millennials. When I, when I hired, I'm not a millennial. <laughs> I've been working in this industry for over 20 years. And when I first got hired, my first job, I was hired as a financial analyst. And I was so excited at the Walt Disney Company to go into work and analyze finance and do analysis. And then I got there and realized I was doing accounts payable and I was processing invoices and <laughs> paying expense reports. So I, I joke that, well, it's not really a joke, but I got tricked <laughs> into becoming an accountant and uh... I was doing all this <laughs> mundane stuff, right? And so that's why, that's what the millennials, I think, when they get hired as a financial analyst, they'll actually get to analyze stuff as opposed to, just processing invoices or doing something that is now going to be automated for them. Thank you, Elizabeth. I think there's good news in them. Our hills appreciate that. Thank you again for singing. (laughs) The singing was just lovely. I ask guests all the time and very few people accept, but it's usually on break and you actually did it on the air. So you you rocked it. You rocked it. Thank you. And now waiting patiently in the wings is Vanessa Keating, who works with Nilly at the Hackett Group. Vanessa is a newcomer to our show. And Vanessa has sent me a piece of a quote that is widely thought of as the words of Steve Jobs. In fact, 
It comes from the Think Different advertising slogan for Apple created back in 1997 by the L.A. office of advertising agency TBWA Chiat Day. And the quote effectively comes from, and Vanessa cited it properly, a gentleman named Rob Siltanen, S-I-L-T-A-N-E-N, who wrote it along with some other people at the agency. And what's interesting is that Steve Jobs hated it. Hated it big time. He called it some very bad words that I'm not going to repeat here on the air. And it eventually ended up being approved for the ad, and I guess everybody loved it. But it was based on the idea that IBM had a slogan called Think that was used widely in TV, print, everywhere. And so the Apple agency said, the people doing the ad said, hey, why don't we do something similar? So they created the Think Different ad. And let me read the whole thing, if I may, Vanessa. Is that okay with you? Sure. Absolutely. Okay. Here's the version I have. Here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs in the square holes, the ones who see things differently. They're not fond of rules, and they have no respect for the status quo. You can quote them, disagree with them, glorify or vilify them about the only thing you can't do is ignore them because they change things because the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. I love it. Vanessa Keating, welcome to Game Changers. How are you? Thank you, Bonnie. I'm pleased to be here. Very excited for today. Um, thank you. you know, I, and, love, and thank- I, I love the ad. I was going to say, tell us how it, it relates to our topic, please. Go ahead, Vanessa. Yes, you know, we're talking tools, technology, robots, but it really comes back to the people. Um, and we won't, you know, this is all part of a greater digital transformation. And this is probably the most disruptive wave to business since the introduction of the internet. And it's forcing mm-hmm. people to think out of the box to identify those change agents within their organization who are going to stop at nothing to find a better way, a more effective way, a more efficient way of doing something. It might be the millennials. It might be some of the, you know, the, the folks that have been at the organization for, for some time, know the ins and outs, but they are going to be the ones challenging the status quo. They're pushing the boundaries. They're going outside of their fiefdom of responsibility. You know, you've got finance directly engaging with HR, with IT. They're going to the business. They're, they're trying to understand what needs fixing, what needs improving, and how am I going to deliver that? And I think if you thought, if we said 10 years ago, hey, finance is going to be front and center leading this transformational change um, and the way that, that their company operates from the inside out, if we said 10 years ago finance would, would be leading that charge, I think we probably would have said you're crazy. Um, but then, yet again, we're here, and this is, this is today, and finance is leveraging these digital technologies. We talk about AI. We talk about machine learning and, and others. And they're using that, they're using RPA to automate some of the transactional work that Elizabeth was mentioning. And then they're using some of this newer, more robust technology to, to, to spend more time on the analytics. Um, and they're using then AI to broaden and deepen those analytical capabilities that before was just not possible. I mean, we are, we're collecting data. Obviously, Facebook has, has brought this into the limelight, but we're collecting data mm-hmm. today that we never thought would be possible five years ago. And then you bring on AI, and we're asking questions that we never even thought to ask before. So we wouldn't really be here today discussing the role of digital, the role of these technologies in finance, if it weren't for those crazy individuals that you know continually challenge the status quo and say, hey, there's got to be a better way to do this. Thank you, Vanessa. Very, very well put. I appreciate that. Uh, question for you. Do you think people in finance, as the role is changing, are thinking, you can't ignore us. 
we are allowing change. We are spurring on change. We're going to be the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, and the crazy. Is anyone ever going to say they're the crazy one in finance? Are they just going to say, my job is really cool now because of the bots, because of the ML, because of the AI? Are they going to say, we're the crazy ones? Yeah, trust us in your CFO office. We're going to come and turn everything upside down and do it better. What do you think about the personalities of people coming into finance? I mean, I would hope so. Uh, you know, I think that that it's very possible. I think there are, as Elizabeth mentioned, there's processes, there's rules, there's standards, there's protocol. That's not going to go away. We have to be mindful of that. But I do think that you're going to get a wave of individuals who are just excited about the fact that this is a different landscape and they want to be a part of it and they want to be front and center. And I think you are going to get some attract different individuals who before may have said, you know what, uh, maybe finance isn't the, the, the place for me, and, and maybe this will kind of change their mind, or maybe they'll just get tricked into it. Well, we'll see. Thank you very much. May I ask if you're a millennial, Vanessa? I just met you on the phone a couple of days ago or last week, and I'm just <laughs> wondering if you're in that, that demographic cohort, we call it. I am flattered, but no, I am not a millennial. (laughs) (laughs) I I had to ask. Thank you very much. Okay. Well, we're all past that millennial stage. Okay. Very good. Um, A a quick question for the panel before we go to where are you calling from and what's in your cup today. In my opening, quoting this website, theconversation.com, the article, by the way, was called Are Robots Taking Over the World's Finance Jobs? That was the formal title of it. They say that Wall Street is being taken over by robo-advisors. Can anybody tell me what a robo-advisor is, Nilly or Vanessa or Elizabeth, anybody? Um, so this is funny because we just had our best practice conference um, earlier in May, or May, well, it was um, April 30th to May 2nd, and one of the speakers was the controller, global controller for HP, Marie Myers, and at the end of the conversation, she was talking about how They've made the controller organization and finance organization in, um, at HP Digital. They have a lot of robots and other things. And she said that she saw some research that indicated that by 2020, we will be talking more to chat boxes than to our family and friends, which mm-hmm. I found to be a little scary. But I think um, what that means, what a, what a robo-advisor is, is you call in, it's a, it's a higher form of customer service that includes voice recognition at a higher level with machine learning. So you call in and the robot recognizes who you are and knows previous conversations that you've had and can pull those conversations into the new conversation. And you can talk to the robot about your investments and, and the robot can do analysis on your accounts and come up with some advice on where else to invest. So it's really um, artificial intelligence embedded into a machine learning, embedded into a robot in the mm. form of a chat box. Um, it's, a, it's a smart in, in, interaction. The chat box is the user interface that you're going to deal with when you call into your bank. Thank you, Nilly. Anybody else have any comments on robo-advisor, Elizabeth or Vanessa? Because I have yeah. a little joke to read here. Go ahead, Elizabeth. I would I'd jump in there as well. So yeah. when you're talking about balancing a portfolio, right, there's certain math that you can put in. I mean, you can go look on the Internet and find all these different types of calculators and those types of things, right? And you put in 
what your level of risk is, how old you are, you know, there's lots of math equations that you can put in there. And then getting a balanced portfolio of different stocks in there is something that that can be automated. So with the robo-advisors, that's where if you just put in a couple parameters here, then it, it can give you a balanced portfolio. But that being said, you know, I mean, it's the same as uh, they recommend as well now that you can just go across a whole index and that's going to be consistent with the market, you know. And then mm-hmm. the question is, is it when does the human intuition come in? And when you're talking about maybe picking stocks and putting a portfolio together that you could do based off of a math equation. But then that mm-hmm. being said, if you're going to be more of a stock picker, which sometimes people say maybe you can't outperform the market, but people do, is yep. it, it's that type of intuition that all of a sudden you see your kid is using this new video game and it's super popular, and then all of a sudden you can invest in that stock. And that type of intuition isn't something I don't think that can be automated, but the robo-advice is, you know, if you make any math equation, you can automate. That's what it is. But I think that the, that's the point here, though, that... Accounting and finance is a lot more than just an equation. Thank you very yeah, much, Elizabeth. To, to yeah, go ahead. piggyback off of that, I think mm-hmm. you're going to see folks that are still wanting to interact with humans. So if I think about my parents' generation, they're probably not going to be the ones to sign up for a robo-advisor. We're going to want to <laughs> talk over the phone. Actually, my dad does. Every mm-hmm. week he calls his financial advisor. Um, <laughs> and I think that's going to that's gonna stay the same. And even I used to. the generation <laughs> below them, right? I mm-hmm. would probably prefer to speak to a human versus engage with a, with a robo-advisor when it comes to my 401k. Um, so in addition to that intuition, I think there's still going to be a play for humans in that space. Um, it'll just kind of, let's see where sort of the, the, the individuals take their business, frankly. Are they going to want the, the quicker service or do it on their own? Are they going to want to feel like they are being, you know, they've got that customized attention with that human behind the desk? I think, Thank Vanessa, you. you're yep. right, and I think Complete. that's part of our concept that we work with a lot of Hackett, Hackett and is generally accepted of customer centricity and multi-channel delivery, um, which is part of digital transformation. So customer centricity means you give the customer what they want in the way they want to consume it. So if you have an older person who wants to consume the information with a human on the other end, that's what you give them. Um, If you have a younger person who just wants to deal with a robot, then they can do that. But you have to provide multiple channels of delivery based on the customer needs. That's absolutely right. Ladies, I I received a joke on email. I'd like to read it. I think it goes along with what we're saying today. So if you just indulge me for a minute, one character is a caller. The other one is Google. All right? So listen up. The caller says, is this Gordon's Pizza? And the answer is, no, sir, it's Google Pizza. Caller, I must have dialed the wrong number. Sorry. No, sir. Google bought Gordon's Pizza last month. Okay, I'd like to order a pizza. Do you want your usual, sir? And the caller says, my usual, you know me? And the answer is, according to our caller ID data sheet, the last 12 times you called, you ordered an extra large pizza with three cheeses, sausage, pepperoni, mushrooms, and meatballs on a thick crust. Caller, okay, that's what I want. Google, may I suggest this time you order a pizza with regatta, arugula, sun-dried tomatoes and olives on a whole wheat gluten-free thin crust? Caller, what? I detest vegetables. Google, your cholesterol is not good, sir. 
Call, call her. How the hell do you know? Google. We cross-referenced your home number with your medical records. We have the result. We have the result of your blood test for the last seven years. Call her. Okay, but I do not want your rotten vegetable pizza. I already take medication for my cholesterol. Google. Excuse me, sir, but you've not taken your medication regularly. According to our database, you only purchased a box of thirty cholesterol tablets once at Drug RX Network four months ago. Caller, I bought more from another drugstore. Google, that doesn't show on your credit card statement. Caller, I paid in cash. Google, but you did not withdraw enough cash according to your bank statement. (laughs) Caller, I have other sources of cash. Google, that doesn't show on your last tax return unless you bought them using an undeclared income source, which is against the law. Caller, what the heck? Google, I'm sorry, sir. We use such information only with the sole intention of helping you. Caller, enough already. I'm sick to death of Google, Facebook, Twitter, WhatsApp, and all the others. I'm going to an island without internet, without cable TV, where there's no cell phone service and no one to watch me or spy on me. Google, I understand, sir, but you need to renew your passport first. It expired six weeks ago. (laughs) Forgive me. I've... I've never read anything like that on the air, but somebody sent that to me. Did that kind of encapsulate what we're talking about, ladies, the robo-advisor? Yeah, you think? That's what I think. Um, and it, it goes beyond anything I thought. I think it's hilarious and very scary. Very, very scary. Absolutely. Ladies, scary. we're gonna we're catching up here. We're a little bit late, but I, I thought that added to our conversation. So let's go around the table quickly. Nilia Sadies, where are you today, and what are you drinking that makes you so happy or what do you love to drink um i'm in oregon in the pacific northwest uh in the Willamette valley and i i um, my house is on a big hill overlooking the river um but an hour and a half south of portland and when i look outside my window i see 30 acres of christmas trees that we have and meadows with cows grazing and, you know, I wonder how long it's going to be before everyone can choose to have this view through virtual and augmented reality. Um, I'm just happy to be here now and smell the grass. And I have to say, even the cow manure, although I suppose that that also can be simulated at some point um, through virtual reality. Um, I'm drinking, I'm actually drinking um chai tea, chai vanilla tea, to calm me down because, as Bonnie knows, I have a very high level of energy, and I wanted something that would perhaps reduce some of that energy, Um, so I'm drinking chai tea. Last time on Bonnie's show, um, I was drinking a green smoothie with um, berries and spinach that looked like swamp water. So I'm off that, but I'm on tea, so you're lucky. <laughs> I think that's Thank the you. solution. Nilly, it's not working. Your energy is still off the charts. Nilly, where are you in relation to Eugene? You know, I lived in Eugene for almost 10 years. Yes, so you're. I know. I'm about an hour and 15 uh, minutes um, north of Eugene. And my daughter, by the way, is going to University of Oregon, U of O, in Eugene in September to the Clark uh, Honors College, and she's very excited. So we're going to be in Eugene a lot starting next well, year. Do me a favor. Just wave and say, hey, anybody remember Bonnie, who was the di- one of the disco queens <laughs> of Eugene back in the 70s? Thank you very much. We'll leave that one on the table. Elizabeth Milne, so happy to have you back. Elizabeth, where are you today, and what powers you? What do you love to drink? 
Uh, I am in beautiful, sunny Fort Lauderdale, Florida, looking out at the intercoastal waterway right now. And I am also drinking tea. I'm drinking, uh, it's a stash is the name of the brand. And I, my favorite one is the double bergamot Earl Grey black tea. Ooh, sounds very nice. We've got two tea drinkers. And now let's go to our newcomer, <laughs> Vanessa Keating. Where art thou today? And what do you love to drink that powers you, Vanessa? Well, Bonnie, it's your lucky day because you have two of us hailing from the Sunshine State. Um, I am just outside of Miami, Florida. And my view is of palm trees and cacti flowers. Um, so not quite, not quite the water view, but still very nice. And I am drinking iced coffee. Um, it's called Chameleon Brew, and it comes from the hill country of Texas. So for those of you who are familiar, familiar it's um, Fredericksburg, Texas, and it's super concentrated, which I need because I have a four-month-old who is not quite sleeping through the night yet. So unlike Millie, I need the coffee. There you go. Thank you very much, Vanessa. By the way, ladies, we're skipping the break because we're just moving so fast. There's no time to go out for 90 seconds. But Vanessa doesn't know me very well. Maybe she does already. They don't let me anywhere near caffeine on radio show days, Vanessa. So all I'm allowed to drink is a glass of water, cool, clear water. I'm looking out here. I moved to Durham, North Carolina eight months ago. And after living in a co-op apartment for 35 years on Long Island in New York, and I'm delighted to say I'm looking out at my beautiful front garden right now from my office window. I had a landscaper design the garden, and then I brought bought dozens of purple petunias and white and beautiful yellow and orange marigolds that I'm going to finish planting after the show. And in my backyard is a pond with a fountain that lights up at night, and we have herons and ducks and geese and a lot of wildlife, and the frogs are out every night singing a concert. I'm just going to leave that one alone. They take over in the summer. What can I say? So so that's what we're doing, and this is, in case you're just tuning in, yes, this is Coffee Break with Game Changers. If anybody's keeping track, and I am, this is episode number 325. We do about 48 live shows a year, and I started this series for SAP on October 5th, 2011, coincidentally the day that Steve Jobs passed away, and we just talked about his ad for Apple that he really hated with a passion, but wow, is it successful. Our topic today is finance, talent in the machine age, human or a bot, speak with Nilly Asades. I'll spell that for you, E-S-S-A-I-D-E-S, at the Hackett Group, Elizabeth Milne at SAP, and Vanessa Keating also at the Hackett Group. Since we're skipping the break, ladies, take a deep breath, and let's just barrel ahead. Nilly sent me the following. Let's see if we can pick one topic from each of you and go around the table and add some more flavor to this. Nilly says, um, the big picture. Could we do that one, Nilly? Okay sure. with you? Go ahead. Okay. Nilly says, digital transformation is expected to have a profound effect on the sustainability, big buzzword today, of today's corporations, according to 95% of response, respondents to the Hackett Group's late 2017 digital transformation study. It is also expected to have a dramatic impact on business models and corporate culture and talent needs, and our focus is talent. So, Nilly, why don't you take about two minutes and tell us how this relates to our topic, please. Sure, um, and I'm glad um, that our focus is talent because I think that's one of the biggest things. In fact, um, when we did our 2018 um, Keisha study, talent came up as the fastest-growing business risk for companies today. So talent is an issue across the board, not just for finance. 
Um, companies today contend with a really uh, a rapidly changing business landscape, and it's continuously reshaped uh, by disruptive technologies and business model innovation. And what this comes down to really is that companies need to become more agile. Um, they, are, they need to be able to respond faster or even anticipate changes in the business environment. Agility uh, in our 2017 digital transformation study that Bonnie mentioned, agility mm-hmm. was the number one strategic driver of digital transformation. Um, and part of that, as we look down what agility meant, um, was maintaining a lean cost structure that can withstand these changes and become some sort of a launch pad for new initiatives, investments in new technologies. So how do you become an agile organization? Um, you got to rationalize your systems and move to a cheaper platform, maybe the cloud. Uh, we had a study earlier this year about ERP in the cloud, and we found that a third of large companies consider cloud ERP critical um, to their overall transformation effort. You need to move from adopting technologies that merely automate human activities to smart technologies that augment um, knowledge processes um, like um, like mm-hmm. data management um, and, um, and AI, of course. So that's kind of um, one of the things you need to do to become agile. And I think you also need to um, you also need to train your workforce. You need to have, and that's kind of the talent aspect of things. You need to train your workforce to become um, more in, more receptive to change and focused on continuous improvement and learning. Um, because with digital transformation, there is no end state. Uh, the changes just keep coming, um, and it's important that your workforce remains open to this constant movement. So that requires um, an application of new change management strategies and new um, finance development programs that prepare existing staff to change, and that's not comfortable for everyone, of course, and easier to do with millennials coming in, as we were saying. Thank you, Nilly. I want to get Elizabeth Milne in here. Elizabeth, thoughts on what Nilly just shared, please. Uh, yeah, I, so I like the, the fact that there is no end state, right? That continuous improvement aspect of it is huge from, for this. And as of right now, things are just changing faster and faster. When I started in technology and finance, I was in accounting, and I remember there was women that were there who are probably my age now who seemed older who were not that mm-hmm. familiar with spreadsheets. And I had to help a woman who was totaling on her, her 10 key and then entering it the total into her spreadsheet. So I had to teach her how to use a sum function, right? So people are just used to doing things. And that was only 20 years ago. And now today, with the technology that exists, it's, it's all about change management from that aspect standpoint. And that, that end state, that's a huge mind shift for, for people who work in accounting. Because then when you, you close the books every period and you produce your financial statements, right, there's a goal, there's something that happens, and then there's an end state. Here's the financial statement. And doing that repetitive task over and over, year after year, that's 
what you do in accounting. But now, with the technology, which we've moved way ahead of spreadsheets, now we've got machine learning, predictive analytics, and all those types of things. It's a matter of being able to produce the financial statements, but then what do you do on it? Now, in today's finance world, you have the ability to say, why did this happen? And what decisions can we make to affect that in the future, as opposed to the accounting and the finance department just be the here's what happened department now. So it's really all about that transformation and, uh, you know, shifting the, the role of that finance person into let's not have an end state. Where can I do things better? And let's not just always do it the way that we've done it, but now have where can we make this better? Where can we leverage technology, AI? How can we use these tools, as was mentioned in the, in the first round, right? How can mm-hmm. we as humans leverage these tools to make our organizations run better. Thank you, Elizabeth. Vanessa Keating, thoughts, please. You know, we touched on a couple topics here, but I'm going to focus back on the people. So how do we get people excited about using this technology in finance? And I think there's a couple different, you know, there's there's some great stories out there of um, organizations who have got at this, you know, quite creatively. I was on a client site last week, and they were doing a botathon. So they had teams of, hmm. of within their finance and IT uh, groups create a bot using RPA. They all had the same um, RPA platform, and they had to build a bot. And these are folks that don't have coding or development experience. You know, they're finance and IT people. Um, but they were doing that as a way to get those those individuals excited about RPA, excited about the technology that they're going to start using. Um, and frankly, a lot of these individuals, parts of their job was going to be replaced by some of the ideas in the room. And I thought it was such a clever and exciting way to get people on board um, and, and actually be a part of this development and this, this change versus fear it. And I think the, the, the lead who organized it walked away with at least 30 great ideas um, for an RPA pipeline. So I think... You know, that's probably one of the more simpler technologies in, in, in what we're discussing today. But I think the point is valid. You know, how do you get your workforce excited? How do you get them engaged? How do you get mm-hmm. them on board? And, and helping you, um, you know, leverage the technologies that we have today to, to our disposal. Thank you, Vanessa. You know what? In the interest of time, I'm going to move to a topic on Elizabeth's list. And Elizabeth, this is about a color, purple, you say, to succeed with AI and having IT enabling business performance. You need purple people. That is defined as savvy at combining IT with business or finance requirements. Huge skill shortage in AI, which is hampering development. Elizabeth, can you tell us more, please? I was hoping you were going to pick that one. <laughs> you knew I would. You knew I would. You want to sing something about purple for us, Elizabeth? We enjoyed your voice in the opening. <laughs> no. I believe, isn't purple your favorite color? Seem like It I actually is. I just bought all those purple petunias for my garden. So right now it's not red, it's purple. So we're, we're in good shape. Purple people, come on. So purple people. So this is an interesting concept, right? The, the purple people, there's a number of different, um, if you Google on purple people and put in t- people and technology, if you 
Google purple people by itself, you'll get all kinds of weird stuff because there's a lot of them out there. But the thought process here is that it's the matter of the mix of the technology people and the finance people. Because in the past, right, 20 years ago when I started, you had an IT department and then you had a finance department and they were very much separated. And as mentioned, I mean, people still trying to use Excel. So you have the concept of digital natives and digital immigrants, right? So with the purple people, it's about somebody being able to combine the people who think in, in blue, which is the IT people, and the people who mm-hmm. think in finance terms. That's the red people. They think more red. And so what a purple person is is a combination of that blue and red together to be somebody who's good at technology and then also good at finance. And what's fantastic about the people aspect just mentioned, right, is that's really something to focus on is that when I started 20 years ago, you know, you had people who were digital immigrants because all technology was new, so we weren't ever born with it. We, didn't, we weren't swiping on an iPhone when we were two, as opposed to the people today and the millennials, they're digital natives. So just by nature, just because of the society that they've grown up in, that technology is just part of who they are. So being able to combine that finance and technology in the newer generation is a lot easier. I mean, one thing to keep in mind is that Microsoft Excel, it was released in 1985. So that means mm. that's, what, 33 years ago? So if you think about, you know, the age of uh, people in the workforce and those types of things, I mean, a lot of people are, are going to be younger than the actual <laughs> spreadsheet itself. So it's a matter of being able to have that nice balance. And for those of us who have grown up during this technology change, you know, a lot of us had to adapt. So the older accountants, the older finance people are going to have to figure out how they can really take advantage of the technology. And then the younger millennials will just come in with that expectation that that's just part of life, that that digital experience is, that's just life, right? I mean, you have your iPhone, your smartphone, whatever it is. And then once you come to work, you don't want to be sitting there doing manual papers using a slide rule or anything like that, right? It's all Mm -hmm. about that expectation now with the younger generations. And the digital natives needing to be that purple person, that combination of I can think IT, but I can think finance at the same time. Interesting. I have a quick question for you before I bring in Vanessa and then Nilly to comment on the color purple here. Elizabeth, back in the day, I was hired as a systems liaison by a correspondent bank in New York. And they're, I'm wondering what color that was because they said to me, I speak English. They were impressed that I spoke English so well and I could write. Plus, I had a background as a COBOL programmer, a mainframe programmer, COBOL and PL1 on IBM 4341 and a Xerox Sigma 6 CP5. Yes, that was before we knew about STEM. Some of us were doing it back then. So the question was, what color was I? Because they gave me the job saying I could talk to the IT department and I could talk to the business people and the finance people in this. We're a back office bank for the banks of New York State. Uh, and I so the question was, a purple person. was I purple? Because they sent me to I speak so. with the, the business users throughout the bank in Manhattan. And they said, find out what they need. What kinds of reports do they need? What will help them do their jobs? Then I came back to Long Island, to Woodbury, to the Long Island office. And I sat with the IT people who were my colleagues immediately. And I said, this is what Bob needs. And this is what Mary needs. And this is what Susan needs. And then they coded according to my interpretation. So I was purple, huh? Yep, I, and I also was purple. I did uh, software implementations probably for about 10 years. And part wow. of the reason that I was very successful at it was that I knew how to configure the, the financial consolidation software, but I knew also how to speak accounting to the accountant. 
So here, then I was dealing with a lot of digital immigrants and people who were not familiar with technology and trying to, to you know, do, manage through that was challenging. I have a really quick story here about a girl who had an error and she called up our help desk and said, I have an error. And they said, can you send us a, a, a screen capture? So she took a Polaroid picture of her screen and she FedExed it to our, our sales office. So, um, yeah, oh. now I think people know a little bit more what a screen capture is, but that's part of the fun <laughs> of the transition we've been living through in the last <laughs> 20 years. Thank you. One purple people to another. And there was a song by Sheb Willie back in the day called The, uh, the Purple People Eater. We'll, we'll let everybody look that one up. <laughs> Vanessa Keating, you've been waiting patiently. What are your thoughts about the color purple with regard to AI and ML and millennials and working in finance and being tech savvy? What do you think? I mean, I couldn't agree more with Elizabeth. You're going to have this this generation of of individuals who just expect certain things to be in the office. Um, And and if I were to look at my four-year-old, how he's growing up, so he's a digital native, right? Um, He looks at the the computer screen, whether it's a laptop or a desktop, and tries to touch the screen because he's used to that that touch screen um, capability. And he looks at a phone and he automatically, automatically thinks camera. Um, so long or gone for him are the days of a, of a separate Polaroid or, or, or camera the way, you know, we think of it. Um, and then you've got my parents on the other side who are frequent visitors of the Genius Bar, and they settle up every weekend um, to get new training on a computer that they've had probably for at least five years. So you've got this huge wide gap and it's not unlike the gap that you're seeing in the workforce today too, um, frankly. So you've got this generation of, of finance individuals who are uh, trying to move past Excel and then you've got the new crop of whether it's workers or leadership that demand, uh, uh, you know, real-time reporting they walk around with their lap, uh, with their um, with their tablet, and want their reports generated on that. They don't spend weeks preparing powerpoints. They want they want it instant. Um, and so, and there's there's you can understand why the market, whether you know across different industries, is changing quickly, and technology has a huge play in that. They can't wait for multiple weeks on end to get a collection of PowerPoint decks. Um, it's just it's not going to, it won't work. So they want it on demand and, and finance really has to figure out a way to deliver that. Um, and I think you're going to continue to see this straddling of workers who are quite comfortable and, and can understand and speak that language. And then you're going to get a few uh, who are still there and, and trying to figure out what this all means. So, um, you know, I, I think there's, there's a lot of, of change that we're we're going to expect to see. Thank you. You know what? We're in the crystal ball predictions round. Nilly, I know you had a lot to say about the purple people, but let's channel that into your prediction. Uh, we are just having such a good conversation. We're out of time. So, Nilly, I'm going to give you 60 seconds. That's really all I have for your prediction on what will change about finance and bots and humans and the skill sets required to have a productive and satisfying, gratifying job, both for people in the workforce and for the companies for whom they are working. Nilia Sadies, 60 seconds. Let's have your prediction. Go. I think, excuse me, that the fast development of AI and machine learning tools and the market projections that we have and others 
um, that AI will become prevalent uh, and pervasive and eventually um, we think become the dominant digital technology and the interface, the user interface that we're going to use um, to, do, to communicate with machines, it means that over the next two to five years, the roles in finance will dramatically change. Uh, a lot of the routine processes will be replaced by automation, and finance will have to develop skills that will complement the machines um, um, and work and use the machines to augment its own skills. I think that those skills are not only going to be digital skills, like uh, data scientists, but also the uniquely human skills, like negotiation, influencing. Uh, we're going to need people to talk to other people in the industry, to talk to management, to interpret the outcomes of AI. So I don't see people disappearing or finance disappearing. Uh, the end of finance is nowhere near us. Um, so, you know, just like Vanessa said, my kids are, you know, ex expecting to see these kind of technologies. In fact, I think in the future, when somebody is looking at a job offer, whether or not that technology is part of the deal will determine which job they're going to take. Thank you, Nelly, very much. Elizabeth Milne, 60 seconds. I've actually got 45. Make it fast. Go ahead, Elizabeth. Well, one of the things that I'm looking forward to from a crystal ball standpoint is the voice recognition. I, I talked about this a long time ago with some family members, but just the ability to say, hey, Siri, hey, Alexa, what's my inventory in my East region? Or, you know, drill down to your profit level or whatever it is with the, that voice recognition to be able to get that information real time at your fingertips, the combination of that voice recognition, being able to run those queries with a, a device like that is something that I think is going to be coming within the next few years or so, and it's going to be, it's going to be fun. <laughs> Thank you. Vanessa, 40 seconds. Go ahead. You know, the, the digital trend is, is upon us, so it's really not a matter of when, um, but how this is all going to play out in the market. Are we going to go to those robo-advisors, or are we going to rely on uh, the human behind the desk? So, I think that there's a lot of individuals who feel that the workforce is going to be displaced, um, particularly those in the, the back-end function. Um, but I think that the world is going to see a dramatic reduction in some of the mundane work that they do while opening up, you know, a really exciting work for future finance and business service um, employees. So I think the purple person, the hybrid digital worker, the one who can leverage the power of smart automation, um, whether it's RPA or AI or machine learning, they can leverage that to drive real value for their organization. That's, that's the opportunity, um, and I think that's pretty exciting. Thank you very much. It's all very exciting. I can't thank the three of you enough. Wonderful conversation, such camaraderie. Ilya Sadies at the Hackett Group, Elizabeth Milne at SAP, and Vanessa Keating at the Hackett Group as well. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is the end of our broadcast week. Be back next week with a lot more Game Changers Radio. So here's my call to action and a shout-out to Aaron Keller and the Business Channel team for getting us on the air and keeping us there. So fasten your seatbelt. What in the world are you waiting for? Go out and be a Game Changer today. Just like Nilly, just like Elizabeth, just like Vanessa. Over and out. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. 
The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week. 